The recent WannaCry ransomware attacks set off global cyber panic for several days. But now that the chaos has settled, what should organizations, including healthcare entities, do to be better prepared the next time a major ransomware attack strikes? I'm Marian Kolbisek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Drew Hamilton, Director of the Center for Cyber Innovation at Mississippi State University. Dr. Hamilton will be speaking to us about some of the lessons that healthcare sector entities should learn from the WannaCry attacks. So, Dr. Hamilton, in the wake of the WannaCry attacks, we heard cyber experts often talk about the importance of keeping software patches up to date and having strong backup plans ready. What other advice do you think is important for entities to keep in mind, both to prevent falling victim to ransomware and to quickly recover if they are indeed attacked? Well, I think the second thing you mentioned, backups, are critically important, and I think that means you need to have multiple backups spread across different time intervals so you minimize the amount of loss. My own recommendation is don't pay the ransom. You're already dealing with criminals, and sometimes it uh, it works and sometimes it doesn't. So you want to minimize the amount of data that they have lost. Uh, In terms of patches, I think that's a a very tough question because depending on where you are in the attack cycle, you may be attacked before a patch is available. If you rush to install the patch, which you may need to do, then I think it's important that you actually test the patch because operating system patches have been known to break applications. And so that's a, a difficult situation. And there's also a, another piece. Want to cry ransomware, for example, also had a, had a propagation element. You want, actually want to take steps to quarantine the machines that are infected so that the problem doesn't get worse. Dr. Hamilton, one of the most striking things about WannaCry, as you mentioned, is how quickly it spread across the globe. Is that typically what we see in ransomware attacks or even attacks involving other types of malware? And why and what should organizations do in this sort of situation? There are certainly ransomware attacks that have a particular target and therefore aren't designed to propagate the way the WannaCry virus did. And one of the challenges with WannaCry is that they actually uh, had some mechanisms in place to try and prevent sandboxing it, some anti-tamper features to try and make it difficult to reverse engineer. I think a big part of the challenge is, and kind of going back to the healthcare industry in particular, you have a lot of information that is very valuable, so that makes them a target for attack. And, you know, healthcare organizations can be quite large They're not necessarily as large as some major corporations, so they don't necessarily have the IT resources that, say, Ford, GM, Boeing, somebody like that has. So in terms of preventing propagation, the the simplest thing you do is when you determine that a machine is infected, you disconnect it from the Internet. I mean, that's, you know, you physically pull the wire on it, and if it's wireless, you shut down the wireless connection. And then you try and determine, you should have a good network map in your organization of how systems connect. You pretty much want to go and look and see, do I have any other machines with this infection? Because it sometimes takes a while for malware to manifest itself after an infection. Once you've identified an infected machine, uh, try to limit, you know, the you know, what other machines are infected. And frankly, uh, disconnecting from the Internet is, is, is the way to do that, and also from your internal network. 
So, Dr. Hamilton, in the case of WannaCry, there were at least uh, two hospitals in the U.S. that were impacted by medical devices related to imaging systems that got infected. You mentioned the importance of kind of pulling the plug on devices or equipment, and if it's uh, sort of wireless devices, you know, to cut the wireless connection. What sort of advice do you have in terms of systems that involve medical devices that might be used in patient care or diagnosis? Are there any special steps that healthcare entities need to take that are different than they would normally do with other systems? Well, I think it depends on the type of device. I think that if you're looking, and this is an important research area for those of us in the cybersecurity field, devices that are essentially embedded systems are certainly vulnerable to attack, but probably not a ransomware attack. and That would be some other form of attack. I think that it would be advisable to have uh, essentially some uh, some manual backup type plans. And, and I say that, say you're in a, a hospital where you're able to pull up x-rays on a terminal in a patient's room. I think that's a great boon to the patient, and, and clearly the healthcare providers benefit from that. If the central machines that you're pulling that imagery from have been infected, you know, you, you have a very difficult choice. And you know, if you have a manual option, uh, that might be better because if you continue to operate the machine, you need to have a good network architecture to know what other devices, you know, are connected to that, you know, that repository of, of X-ray imaging. And, and you make a decision whether you want to continue to operate or not because uh, I think that the question you're getting to, there are a lot of things fairly risky to turn. You can't just say, well, turn it off because of the, the mission of the equipment. But uh, I'd also say, on the other hand, if you have a malware infection, I'd also be con- very concerned about malware that uh, maybe is pretending to do one thing, but also has a you know, hidden functionality where it's actually you know, corrupting you know, medical data records, which I think would be worse. So, Dr. Hamilton, when it comes to forensics, is there anything that organizations can do in advance with their systems and their data to aid forensic investigations in the wake of a cyber attack or data breach? Things that they should be keeping in mind in terms of their data and systems so that the forensic investigations are more successful in terms of determining what happened? Very much. So one of the most important things to do is, is one, do some staff training on this, and also make clear to your IT staff what the mission is. Because fundamentally, as soon as you get into a, uh, a forensic analysis of a, of a malware event or a penetration or whatever you're, you're doing, like the first decision you need to make is, am I, am I looking to prosecute someone or am I, am I looking to find out what happened? And there's a lot of overlap between those two. If you are not particularly worried about preserving evidence, if you're actually just trying to find out what happened, you can be a lot more aggressive in terms of evaluating main memory, for example, or RAM and other things like that, which if you're actually trying to prosecute someone, then you need to start cloning hard drives, backing up devices, basically ensuring that you don't directly touch any of the machines that were under investigation. So that's the the first thing you look at is, am I trying to determine what happened or is that more important than prosecuting someone? And for example, in military operations, typically you don't care about evidence because you're not in the prosecuting business and you're really more concerned about looking at it more from an intelligence side. So I think that's the first step that you want to make. I think the other thing that really aids a forensic investigation is having a very strong understanding of your underlying system architecture 
because if you're figuring, figuring out how things connect to each other after the fact, that's problematic. You also want to have good configuration management because one of the problems with any, any malware infestation, whether it's ransomware or something else, is once malicious software uh, has root or administrative rights on a machine, they can start making your machines lie to you. So if you have a machine that has had its system commands altered, not only does it make it hard to find out what happened on the machine, but that can also frustrate a forensic analysis because essentially your computer is lying to you. You know, for example, if a directory command is modified to exclude the directory where the malware is hidden every time you do a directory command, that's a problem. If you have malware that is overwriting file times, you know, uh, modification, access, and creation times, once those times are modified, you can't get the original times back. And so that evidence has, has been destroyed, and it's hard to trust what's on the, uh, some of the forensic information you're going to get from that machine. So, yeah, th there are some things you can do. In, in first, I think configuration management and strong knowledge of your uh, system architecture are the two biggies. So, Dr. Hamilton, with that said, what are the most important lessons that are emerging from the WannaCry attacks that you think could help healthcare organizations prepare for future ransomware attacks, but other cyber attacks as well? What are the most important steps that you recommend them taking now? I tend to be more focused on the frequent controlled and multiple independent backup view. For this reason, no commercial operating system can be fully protected. So I think you have to have the expectation that uh, if you're a high-value target, which healthcare organizations are, it's good to run up-to-date virus scanners, but writing a zero-day exploit is actually really easy. So you're going to have malware infestations. And I think what you need to, to do is have systems in place so that you can roll back to an uninfected state. If your last uninfected state is six months ago, you start reaching a point where it's no longer, you know, you're losing too much data. You can't, you can't necessarily do that. If, you're, if your last backup's two hours ago, that may be more manageable. And I think that's the other thing to pay attention to is look for anomalies that have not necessarily present themselves as, as malware because if you can get malware infected uh, into a system, and have it wait six months, you can infect the backups. And there was a point you know, in every organization where uh, if you have to go back too far to restore from a clean backup, you've lost too much. So I think that's the other thing, is to look at possible anomalies that haven't manifested themselves as malware so that you don't wind up uh, having this propagate into, its, into your backups. Thanks, Dr. Hamilton. I've been speaking to Dr. Drew Hamilton. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.